Welcome to Starkey Soundbites. I'm your host, Dave Fabry, Starkey's Chief Innovation Officer. Our guest today is Starkey's very own President and CEO, Brandon Swalich. And he joins us to kick off one of the most important months for us here at Starkey. May is Better Hearing Month. Yeah, so thanks for having me, Dave. It took four or five months for you to invite me on, but I'm glad to be here. Well, you know, we had a lot of very important guests to get through first, but uh, no, we seriously. Had a lot of great content. You've, uh, we've had a lot of great content, but uh, but this is now the pinnacle. And so thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. And we, we want to just consider all of those other ones the warm-up act. Well, I've done a lot of other podcasts <laughs> waiting to get to you. So. Yes, you have. <laughs> so, um, you know, we do have a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. And um, first of all, let's start with uh, Happy Better Hearing Month. What does that mean to you? Uh, connecting people. I mean, it's bringing awareness to overall, you know, hearing health, ear health, however you want to look at it. You and I have had many conversations. And it gives us uh, a reminder to have those conversations to people, not just in our industry, but outside. Yeah. And I think that's really the intention is to just raise awareness for the importance of hearing. Especially um, during times like where people are, there's confusion. Yeah. On what what the hearing healthcare model is. Well, let's dive right into that because, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, the la- we're coming out, hopefully, uh, the last couple of years have uh, been very different for veterans to this industry like you and me. And uh, one of the issues that was rather controversial when COVID first hit in, you know, March of 2020 in the U.S., uh, was whether or not hearing is essential or not. Right. It was a real touch point. And remember, I mean, we had had uh, the launch of, at that time, Livio Edge AI in Las Vegas in January, and we had no idea uh, what was going to happen. The worst thing that we thought in 2020 was that OTC was going to disrupt our industry. Right. And, and boy, were we wrong. But, we were uh, way off. Because I remember us walking off the stage, and you felt the energy because people were excited about the technology, and they knew who they could help, and they were thinking of patients. And, you know, we were having the great conversations. And then, what, a month later, we're having yeah. – you know, unimaginable conversations and not knowing what's going to happen the next day. Well, and really having the agility to be able to pivot. I mean, we had a we had a launch, a series of launch training events, face-to-face events, and those quickly first had to pivot. Uh, talk a little bit about that. I remember the conversations, and initially people were wondering, how am I going to stay in business? Right. Uh, in, in many of the states in the U.S., uh, if you're listening in the U.S. and you're a professional, um, you know, they were deemed not essential services at first in some of those states. Right, and that was where the education came in because I think over whether it was a week or two weeks of the isolation and the quarantine, the lockdowns, and you know whatever the uh, uh, country and state called it, uh, we were in we were all in survival mode. We were all in an area of unknown, chartered territory, and you started hearing the talk track of well, it's you know. It's just a consumer device or it's just amplification. And what we saw and started hearing is our, you know, the practices were closed and, you know, because we didn't understand what was next or how to protect the patient or each other. But our phones continued to ring and the calls became more and more by the week because there were consumers, patients calling yeah. in yeah. and patients wanting hearing help because their hearing aid stopped working or wax or, you know, just the basics and they needed to be connect, connected. And then we came out of it right two months later and we were working with our customers, we're working with our patients. And then our customer service calls increased so we know that mm-hmm. offices are opening back. And it was a light bulb for many that, especially outside the industry, for our uh, the, the government and areas of uh, federal government, state government we were talking to, that hearing is essential because they couldn't hear the TV. They couldn't right. hear just talking to somebody on the phone and a lot of people 
had the motivation to, okay, if they haven't done something about it, we saw they did something about it. Mm -hmm. And the people that were uh, used to being connected and needed that as a lifeline, uh, they had to do something about their uh, hearing aid and getting that fixed. So we got innovative. Right. Yeah. I mean, we started by pivoting really to look at what programs were available to help uh, practices uh, weather the storm uh, in, in those areas where they, they really saw initially when everyone was really so uncertain and afraid to go out in public and go into clinical and, and health facilities or private practices or retail offices. And I think in Q2 of 2020, uh, our industry was off by about 80 percent, a lot of uncertainty over that. Uh, that we faced and certainly our customers did and then the patients and then I think having our chief health officer that you had the uh, foresight to bring uh, Dr. Arkel Giorgio on board uh, I think her role initially was just instrumental but very different than what you thought you were going to bring it on yeah and yourself and and Dr. Burdak and even my role is you you come together as a team and and I talk about innovation and you know you're the uh, very creative thinker and you're you're an innovator by instinct and we never thought we'd hear curbside service. No I mean, the, the stuff yeah. that we were doing to at least keep the build a bridge until we can get out of whatever you know phase we were in to start getting face to face with people. Then we got into education on how to set up your office and protect the patient, protect yourself. Uh, you know, Sarah and, and you and, and Dr. Arkell and myself and we all did whatever it took and we educated and did the best we could. Yeah, by the end of the year, I mean, it, it really felt like we were gaining steam. You know, obviously, we, we still had all of 20. If, if 2020 said, I'm going to be the worst year ever, 2021 said, hold my beer. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and it continued. But but I think in a way, and I would never say there was a silver lining out of any of this. No. But it did stress the importance of hearing as a, as a vital and fundamental way that we stay connected with each other. Yes. Uh, I would also argue that uh, 2020 and 2021 became the year of telehealth, mm-hmm. uh, and it taught professionals uh, in many ways that when they couldn't see the patient face-to-face, uh, they could still maintain uh, care and connection with their patients using telehealth, and we had to adapt to that as well. And adapting is really we reminded ourselves, because you how long you've told me, how long has telehealth been around? And we've talked about it. And, and 1994, I did my first remote right. programming, you know, and, and it hid in plain sight for 25 years. It did. And for all companies, I mean, you know, we have our uh, uh, audiology group that it takes calls from consumers and customers and helps with remote programming on a daily basis. But we had to pivot and make that more robust. So it was more f- d- uh, direct for the consumer and the patient that needed the help instantly. So it reminded us, it's like, yeah this is here and i remember thinking from april to may and you said 80 percent. you're close it was actually over 90 percent. our industry just plummeted and i remember thinking i never want to feel like this again and what i mean is not from the dollars it's like how how do we need to innovate and not be blockbuster Mm -hmm. you know just be comfortable being comfortable we had to be comfortable being uncomfortable and then we had to focus on our priorities and priority being your new priorities, the new normal, yes. I mean, telehear, um, how we're going to work and how we talk with patients, um, you know, the uh, extra level of service, whether an office was closed in a region. You know, we uh, worked with a customer from the phone, but also, you know, got permission to work with the patient directly as we needed to just to continue that service. 
Yeah, I mean, I think if the biggest buzzword over the last two years was you're on mute, uh, the 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 second uh, phrase is where you know we're all in this together. I mean, right. we 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 started really by coming together, and and I would say maybe we need that now too. Um, but then moving into the new normal, yeah, whatever that new normal is going to be, where the sort of the three big catchphrases of the last. And two I think years. we define the new normal. I yeah. mean, we were you know learning to live with it, um, as you said, 2020. Uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a rough year for many businesses. 2021. Kind of, you said, hold my beer, um, and you know we went in with a plan, and then you know everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Mike and, Tyson. Yeah. Yep. And they came back, and we got punched in the face, and we had to continue to adapt. But now, I think for what we're doing as an industry, and as Stark, and from around the world, we've been reminded the importance of uh, better hearing, the what's important for the patient, and really we've it's refocused mm-hmm. us and. I said, I've said many times, and, and you're right, there's a lot of the new normal and all these catchphrases that we've, we really don't want to hear you know, again. But it's refocused us uh, and recentered and got our priorities straight. Yeah. So on, on that, then, what for you personally, what's the thing that you missed most uh, about uh, the industry, the profession, the old way of doing things? What's the thing that you've missed most for the last couple of years? Oh, the same thing you would say. Yeah. It's virtual i don't want to i mean it's okay and i think it's it's taught us that there are other options but it's it's the in-person events yeah you know i think starkey is is starkey who we are and one of our values and what we do is getting that face-to-face with our customer and you know that relationship that brainstorming you know whatever you want to call it and just even the employees i mean the employees that give you energy we Went remote, full remote, uh, with our employees here mid March, and like within a day. Yeah. And really, until recently, you know, I've you kind of feel isolated. It's yeah. I've been here alone. A lot of people have been here alone, and you don't have that, you know, that uh, camaraderie, the collaboration that has made Starkey Starkey. Or our industry is all about people. Then you're wearing masks, and you can't see people smiling, right? Yeah. So, and there's fixes for that. We've learned to adapt with it, but. For sure, it's the human interaction. Yeah, and I think you said it. The, the human interaction uh, on campus with the people that we're used to working with and the incidental conversation and ideas that you get, that you, the, the stimulation you get from running into people uh, as they're going to the lunchroom. Right. Then uh, the, really Starkey has thrived on uh, the, the motto of uh, treating our customers better than anybody else. And, and really that opportunity to get with them. The reason we say that is not that we're, it's not because we're whining and dining them. It's that we're, we're engaging with them and right. getting ideas because I think I've been the beneficiary as often as the teacher, as the benefactor when we're with our customers because I learn so much about patient care and clinical best practice every time we get together with a class. And I learn from you. I mean, you and I can have, we have great one-on-one conversations just by running into each other in the hallway. Virtually, you, you, it's, it's planned, right? And the teams meetings and stuff, there's a place for that. But I think now it's a, it's a mix and a, and, a, and a hybrid. I love talking in front of audiences just like you, you because energy. you believe. Yeah. You get energy. And yeah. I, for me, I feed off the crowd, meaning, yeah. you know, I want to make sure that I'm educated, providing, and I believe in what Starkey's doing and where we're going. Doing that in front of a camera, yeah. um, you know, you've done it probably more than I have, um, but I've done it quite a bit in the last two years, and I've had to learn, you know, how to <laughs> come across and have that energy where, you know, I feel like I'm a weatherman. 
Yeah. <laughs> Ron, we joke about Ron Burgundy. Yeah. It's the yes, Ron yes. Burgundy effect, right? You're looking at a camera, you're showing that passion and that energy, but there's nobody there. You get nothing back from no. from the room. Right. Because right? there's probably one or two people in the room in total in those early days. So it's hard to feed off of that, but we've learned and we've adapted. And, and uh, I feel it from a Starkey standpoint, our virtual training classes and what we've done, what we provided for education and even here what we're doing. I mean, we've adapted and we're providing good content and we're doing it a different way where people can get more content and more education uh, faster. Yeah, and, and I'll show my OK Boomer moment for the day. But, you know, there used to be, they'd say long distance is the next best thing to being there, but it's a long ways from being there. Yes. Um, and, and so I guess what you're saying is uh, for the rest of 2022, giddy up, yeah. is that uh, we're going we're gonna to be yeah. back engaging and looking forward to engaging and keeping safe yes. um, with, with our customers uh, because that's, that's people really, want people want, want it. it. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. And that's I, how we I know there. that. We have done a great job of, you know, number one priority, keeping our employees and patient and our customers safe. And we, we monitor the numbers and, you know, we know what region is what based on um, the daily uh, cases and stuff. But now we're coming in time where as long as it is safe, our plan is, as we kind of say, scorched earth is get back in front of our customers yeah. and get them excited. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I've talked to a couple of state uh, meetings uh, here in the last month. You know, you and I are talking into at some uh, meetings coming up. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. Yeah. I mean, before it was it was exciting, but it felt like, well, that's responsibility. Yeah. But now you're like, that gives me energy. Yeah. And, and you know, do I want to sit in a room and go on another Teams meeting? Yes, I will. But that doesn't give me energy. It's part. It's it feels like that responsibility. But getting in front of our customers. You and, you and I both know we feed off each other with it. It's the number one thing that I've missed. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to whatever that new normal is. And maybe we learned uh, to not take that for granted right. uh, this time. And I think we did. You're right. That's a good way to put it. I've yeah. never thought of it that way where, oh, it's another, you know, a regional class or it's a class up here or, or we're, you know, doing another conference in uh, Las Vegas or L.A. or another type of regional. And we took it for granted. No. We got Those interactions are precious, and I will never take them for granted again because you never know when the rug gets pulled out again and we're, we're back in front of a screen. And we're back. This year's plan is if everything's safe, Starkey's going, you know, we're going all in and get in front of our customers and providing good content and really reconnecting those relationships and reminding them uh, who we are and understanding what they need, more importantly, and that we're meeting those needs. Well, and as usual, we dove right in, but now I want to back up just a minute and talk a little bit about, you know, your history in this industry. You've been, you've been doing this since you were wet behind the ears. <laughs> and um, uh, talk a little bit about your journey, uh, your journey within the industry, within Starkey. Uh, just I, many people uh, don't know your background. Uh, I come from Southern Illinois, a small coal mining town. Mm -hmm. And my uh, parents uh, started uh, in 1983. My grandmother, my mom's mom, who is still vibrant and loves Dynamo. this, yes, and who loves this uh, industry. Hi, Mimi. Um, yeah, you know, she started in 1959. She opened her own business, and she was an oh, a, independent a female, a female practitioner, yes, practitioner in 1959. Yeah. She couldn't get a loan. Her dad had to sign the paperwork for the for the bank because they wouldn't get loans to uh, uh, you know women who wanted to open business. Mm -hmm. And it was to me, it's just I can't even imagine. Crazy. And she was successful. She loved the business. And then she got my mother into it and uh, had a Miracle franchise, actually, in 1983. Mm -hmm. And then uh, 
as far back as I could remember, I was been around hearing aids. Mm-hmm. Now, was I going to be in the hearing aid business? No way. <laughs> I wanted to be an astronaut or something really, you know, a uh, 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 police officer, you know, something where it's always been about either helping people or exploring. Mm-hmm. And I kind of fell into it, really a summer job, mm-hmm. right after my first year of college. And I started starting in 94. My first uh, job was in the uh, all-make repair and buffing ear molds and old, old hearing aids and then got into sales. And I've pretty much done almost every job except uh, maybe build a hearing aid for several months. I built the hearing aids, but in manufacturing, but from I've worked the receptionist mm-hmm. to, you know, many of the people that might watch this, they rem- remember me picking them up at the airport or Mall of America. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I have a passion and I, uh, you know. What I've, fuels that passion this day? You've been in this now for 20 years? Uh, 20, 28 years. 28 years. Time 20, flies. 28 years in June. Reality distortion filter. <laughs> uh, tell me about and, uh, it. And it gets worse. Myself. It gets worse. Yeah. But uh, uh, but so what what causes you to get up with that same excitement and enthusiasm today that you did 10 years ago? Or does it? Oh, no, it does. It's, it's you know, for me, it's about the people. So I think about the patients and the people we help. We've all been, whether it's on uh, 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 Stark Hearing Foundation Mission, the Starkey Cares Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, been in a customer's offices where you see those hearing smiles mm-hmm. so you make that impact mm-hmm. um, our customers and the and the people of starkey that drives me because the worst thing for me is if i feel that i've let them down mm-hmm. and it's not a job for me it's a responsibility mm-hmm. so i feel that responsibility and i respect it and that goes with uh, mr austin you know he's trusted me uh, as i said with his baby mm-hmm. uh and you know everybody uh you know, the rumors of Starkey's going to sell or we're going to go public. Or, it's never been a conversation, not once, because Starkey is Starkey for the right reasons. And to me, it's not about being the biggest. You know, you go get market share and and uh, uh, it's not healthy market share. Market share is market share. You do a good job individually for the customers. I want to be the best quality, service, best products. And then whatever happens, happens. We treat employees well and we've got the best of the brightest here obviously like you absolutely um but that's what fuels me is the people it's not it's not my resume or you know uh my title what i learned quick is my younger years and i see this we all see this is like what's my career path oh i want this title am i senior a director or senior manager am i manager manager because once you get that manager title you're like my god i've made it Mm -hmm. and it's for the wrong reasons is what i've learned for myself Mm -hmm. so i've got the title of president and ceo I work for the people of Starkey. It's a title. Mm-hmm. I've got to do the job and I have to help them be successful because if I'm not, that title doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It doesn't mean because you'll, you know, got if, results. if yeah. you yeah. got results and success, because if you're successful, the team gets the credit. That's the way I look at it. If there's a big problem, I promise you, I know who everybody's going to be calling or, or, or be looking at. And that's, you know, I feel that responsibility. So with a responsibility, what do you see as the biggest challenges? You know, let's set COVID aside sure. and let's just say it's, it's the new normal and all of that. What do you see as the biggest challenges ahead from here? Ourselves. Explain. I would, you know, we have visions and uh, ideas and we know the patient. Mm-hmm. It's staying focused because you've got a lot of great people with passion all over this company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, hire for culture and and caring attitudes and you develop the talent so you get a lot of people that come in and starkey's hired some you know we've hired a lot of great 
new people in minds, which I'm all in favor in the last five, six years, innovative minds that help us, you know, move further, keeping them focused. Right. And keeping the company focused because it's that bright, shiny object. Mm -hmm. Right. We're working on better hearing and what we've done with Livio and then now evolve AI and you and I know what's coming next, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to get, you know, do what we, uh, our core business and who we are, accept it, focus and deliver. Yeah. It's the noise that comes into play where, oh my gosh, we should be doing this or this or so-and-so company did this. I don't, you know, for me, it's not about what our competition does because they're good. They're going to do what they do anyway. We well, there's a sign that hangs out in the uh, by next what used to be my office long ago. What did it say? It would, you know, don't lose sleep over the competition. Make them lose sleep over you. Right. They're going to play their game. Starkey plays uh, its game, and we stay true to who we are. You know, the noise about OTC, right? Oh my gosh, the industry is going out of business. We better pivot. We've got to sell, you know, direct to the consumer, and and that's from you know, it's common sense thinking when you hear all the articles. Whether it's Wired, whether it's w, uh, Wall Street Journal, even our own industry mm -hmm. publication, and it creates clicks and it creates you know different thinking. But you and I both know that's an evolution and a glacial a process. You're not just because it's not about the product, right? It's about the you know the the role of the professional and the interfacing of the ear and the personalization of that sound for that person, and. It's keeping the team focused on the priorities, not because of they're wrong and they're thinking, it's the education and making sure we do what we say we're going to do and close it out. And then we move on to what we feel is best for the patient. And that's Starkey, and I've heard this as long as I've been here. Our priorities are what's best for the yeah. patient, is best for our customer, is best for Starkey. It does not go what's best for uh, the stockholder, what's best for Starkey, then the customer and the patient. We're absolutely backwards, and that's where Starkey's secret sauce comes into play on why we can do what we do and who we are. Yeah, you've been very clear on, on that issue is, is that you know, nothing wrong with publicly traded uh, uh, companies, no. but you've been very clear on with us as a privately held company, our focus can remain on the customer and event and ultimately rather the end user. Yes, and that's a different relationship than what occurs in a publicly traded company, where the focus is often on the and, shareholder. And that's the business. And that's fine. Sure, you know, that's their business. But but our game is to stay focused on the end user. I think you know we've we've often in this industry been painted as as. Uh, uh, not being focused on technology or the end user and all of that, and that the uh, large consumer electronics companies will come in and save uh, us from ourselves. Songbird, Johnson yeah. Johnson, 2000, then, right? Yeah, 20 years ago, more than 20 years you ago. You and I could go down memory lane and, yeah. and name Sony, you know, the Sonys, the Panasonics, Bosch and Long. They've all tried. They've dabbled. And I think you know what ends up happening is people often uh, coming in from outside of our discipline, and, and I welcome the competition. I want to be very clear on that. I welcome it. anything that increases adoption of hearing aids yes. uh, by people. You Grow know, right now we're sitting at a third of the people who have hearing loss in the U.S. do something about it. If that. If, if accessibility and affordability was the only solution, then even in those countries where hearing aids are provided at no additional charge out, outside of their taxes, um, it'd be more than 50%, right. and it's not. And since 1974, Starkey has had the Starkey Fund. We established the Starkey Hearing Foundation, and to this day we have now Starkey Cares and other means of giving hearing aids away to people that can't afford it. Uh, we've provided access to how many, over what, 70 countries around the world and groups 
through the Starkey Hearing Foundation, and you and I both know what's the number one thing why people don't get hearing aids? It's a stigma. Stigma. Yes. And, and the issue is, is I think the people looking at this from the outside saying, oh my gosh, look at all this opportunity. And people working in this haven't figured it out. But, but I think in a way um, where people have stumbled is they've looked at the technology or the initial fitting as we're looking at mm-hmm. self-fitting devices, thinking of that as the finish line, but it's the starting pistol. It's the starting. It's the start of, it's the, start of the process. And any professional knows that in that first year when the patient is getting used to the to the technology to the sound to the care and feeding of these devices they have many more appointments related to the follow-up and the acclimatization of the device than strictly to the fitting and right. the, the fitting itself is the beginning of that journey everything. it's and everything patient satisfaction right now is 88 percent right 88 yeah. percent so that's why when we hear and see you know these um councils and committees formed in Washington, D.C. and others where, you know, they're talking about affordability and access and over the counter. And and you look at who's talking and the experts and the voices of authority, and I respect their their work, but how many of them have fit a patient in the last year or even six months or have that? Right. Or ever. Yeah, exactly. So the over the counter has been a great platform and a motivator for me, not out of emotion or anger or I'm afraid of it. It's how they're painting our life's work mm-hmm. and people's life's work that are, are listening and watching here because we know the truth and nobody's taking the time to sit down with the you know experts in our industry or voices of authority like we know this. We welcome right. competition welcome because the competition. It, it, it pushes you, right? How many times you, you and I talked about innovation and ideas because somebody was thinking this or we saw this. Mm-hmm. You can't stay flat-footed because you will be like blockbuster. You have to continue to push yourself. And to me, if the industry is disrupted by a competitor or a new competitor, it's great. Mm -hmm. Then what's the innovation? What are we going to do? How do we get better? Mm -hmm. And we have to continue to push ourselves. It's going to be a slow, slow, miserable. Right. I look to be doing this for a good long while yet. And and like I said, you know, and, and every morning I get out, uh, I'll get out of bed and, and, and charge in because I still think, you know, I grew up in the culture where and, 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 and when I was at Mayo, they said the needs of the patient are the only needs that matter. Right. That's the same thing that Bill is focused on, and it cascades through the organization from what Bill and Tanny have done and established, whether it's, uh, you know, in, in establishing the, the Starkey Cares program. Talk a little bit about that. Well, if you, Bill started Starkey because he wasn't getting the service that he was getting. Right. He expected for his patients because he saw in their eyes what hearing and better hearing could do. Back in the 19, you know, he started 1961 in the 60s and 67, he started his own repair lab. Fast forward to today, you know, it starts with caring. If you if it's about the transaction or the money, then you're I'm sorry, you're going to be you could be successful or you're going to be fulfilling. It depends on the personality. But how long are you in it? People are the bottom line of business. Right. And if you go with that approach and for our uh, uh, being private, you know, we still operate as it's 1967, but we continue to innovate how we do things and help more and more people. I mean, our announcement started cares with the Special Olympics yesterday. That was a reminder for all of us, because after two years, we had, you know, March 1st, we had people back on campus and, you know, and, you know, the levels are low here. But that feeling 
we've known it, but kind of like with the class, we took it for granted. Yeah. And everybody got goosebumps. I mean, I saw tears in people's eyes as we were listening to Tim Shriver and, and, the, and the athletes get up who all genuine with their stories and telling us how, you know, hearing is connected to them. And, you know, uh, Nell got up and gave a speech. Incredible. Uh, on what it means because she wanted to give a speech because it gave her confidence. Mm -hmm. And the employees in there and the team members, the veterans, and the, I'll say the newer, new hires to the team, uh, they were reminded and then they witnessed what we've been talking about for two years, but we haven't been able to do. Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't change. It's It starts with caring. Well, and I think to be in that room versus to be online is a different experience. Oh, yes. And, and to be able to see the athletes stand up and point them out and turn around as uh, Dr. Shriver had, had them oh. point to people saying, I can't do it without you and you and you. And I think that's the testimony you know, that you do get when you're working clinically and you're working sitting across the table from a patient or in the booth right. with a patient and seeing the impact of our technology. And everybody has and, a story. Yeah, and it's really, you know, I think still what drives is our technology in the professional's hands yes. deliver that delight, that 88% satisfaction, that net promoter. And, and uh, like I said, I absolutely welcome the competition that yes. comes from creating new channel streams uh, for people who are capable, technically, of doing self-fitting and, and that over-the-counter. But I also think, and I also know, that many patients want access to that latest technology, but they don't yet feel comfortable doing it themselves. Right. And they can't do it as well as the professional can. But the key is you can't commoditize caring. No, you can't commoditize it. And that's what, with over-the-counter hearing aids... You know, it's, there's been more, you know, in the past, but every once in a while, like, oh, you're against it. We're against it. No, we're not because we built the products they're trying to really deregulate and right. provide more access. Right. We want it done right. And we're concerned about the reputation it's going to give hearing aids because you and I have both seen, oh, $99 hearing aid. And then somebody buys it. It's not what they expect. And then we're all labeled. Right. And then, you know, the product and, and the service and what a hearing technology is has a different reputation or you see something at a drugstore, you just pick up, pick it up off the shelf. Okay, one out of maybe 10 or might be satisfied or they use it, but it's not what, you know, they're trying to portray hearing healthcare as a commodity, mm -hmm. right? Well, we're lowering the cost of hearing aids. Well, it sounds like, you know, trying to paint us like big pharma or trying to lower the cost of a, a pill. Mm -hmm. It's not even, the, it's, it's apples and oranges. Right. They talk about eyeglasses. You and I have talked about, oh, you get eyeglasses out of the uh, pharmacy. Well, eyeglass innovation really hasn't changed in 200 years. No. And there's 10 components in an eyeglass to put it together, eyeglasses. And there's a 308 components in, in our hearing aids today. 308. That sounds like Rain Man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do. Uh, I know. Yeah. No, you know exactly how many. You yes, get challenged on it. I get challenged on it or but, asked about but it. The that's issue, the facts. And the issue as well that people don't understand is that with eyeglasses for most people who have what I refer to as front of the eyeball kind of, you know, mm -hmm. just they need refraction, sure. but they have an otherwise sensory system that's pretty healthy. Yes. Um, it's a different, different process. You can be corrected to right. 2020 or normal vision. Unfortunately, most hearing losses are not ones that allow that correction to pull people into normal. Even people, two people, we've talked about this forever, you know, two people with the same audiogram can have very different difficulties and experiences with hearing loss and with hearing aids. And that's where the role of the professional comes in to understand the unique element of auditory and non-auditory factors 
that a patient uh, presents to them. And then remember that it is the case that until, in my case, you get older, you start having back of the eyeball problems, retinal detachment or glaucoma or this and that. Then I say, I wish that glasses were more like hearing aids because we're doing a pretty good job, 88%, as you said. But the issue and challenge is, is that there has been tremendous innovation. And really over the last, as you mentioned, the last four years, five years, we've been on this journey Mm -hmm. to fundamentally focus on speech understanding and quiet and noise, but also recognizing that health and wellness connection that hearing provides to overall health and well-being, cardiovascular disease, cognitive health, all of the falls, uh, and all of those things really have have occurred under your leadership. And you you brought in a chin bomic and others Others, uh, uh, in the the organization to be able to help uh, innovate in an area by getting people to think of hearing aids that connect to smartphones, that provide physical activity, social engagement, and that bigger connection to their life. Right, and Mr. Austin had that vision back in 1998 where a hearing aid becomes more of a life aid or however you want to say, right? Overall health and wellness. And you have to start somewhere. So you get criticized about trying new things and you fail, you fail fast, but then you narrow in what is, you know, essential and is working and is helping people from the patient standpoint what we do with our uh, fall detection alert. How many times, you know, we've heard the stories, if we saved one life and we've heard more than one story, it's worth it. Now it's not for everybody, that's fine. But what's for everybody is better hearing. The sound quality, hearing and noise, you know, go down down the list. So we're on the right path and it's okay. I'd rather, you know, say we tried and failed or we tried and succeed than not try at all. And it's hard, you wanna do what's hard. And it's our responsibility. And I wake up every day embracing that we will do what's hard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we owe it to the patient. We owe it to our customers and we do what's hard. But we also have to make it uh, very uh, the ease of use, mm-hmm. intuitive, because we talk about, you know, Apple and you look at what Tesla and others do where they don't have to open an instruction, but it's just Intuitive. intuitive, yeah, and we, the we user a, experience. The user experience that we have a, a demog- demographic that we work with, mm-hmm. and you know we're getting better. We're never going to be, we're not perfect, mm-hmm. but we're getting better, and we have the heart uh, to continue to push ourselves. Well, and again, another mantra, you know, better today than yesterday, better tomorrow than today, and continuing as long as we're on that positive, positive slope, uh, then we're going in the right direction. We're trying hard things. Um, you know, you talked about earlier. Uh, the fact that uh, we treat our customers and want to be closer to our customers. Um, talk a little bit about one of, one of your babies uh, uh, is Hearing Innovation Expo. Mm-hmm. And in 2023, we will be having another one yes. held roughly every two years uh, with, you know, just be, the COVID kind of interrupted this, this you, cycle. Right? Yeah, yes. And, um, uh, and um, talk a little bit about why it is that you had this idea to bring together all of our, I mean, it's become the biggest industry conference and meeting uh, that in, in my experience, I mean, I can tell you, it has provided me with some professional and personal highlights um, when I look back and reflect on my career. But why, what, what caused you to say, we should try this? Because we talk about doing something hard. Uh, that, that's a hard one. Complete transparency, what started it, but then what, where it ended, mm-hmm. um, it was 2010. 10, I think. Yeah. Close I was to on the sales side of the organization. Yeah. And, you know, just like other, at the time, you know, Starkey has different brands and customer groups. 
And so for us, when we did a, a product launch or a meeting, you're doing one for Starkey and, and Audible and New Air and Microtech. And, and we were like, what is it, four or five weeks in a nice destination yeah. that everybody was like, oh, that's, you know, that had to be great. No. <laughs> you're gone from your family. You're gone from your life. You're gone from your no. routine. So I'm like, we're doing, it goes back to that innovative, you know, how do we do it different? Because innovation beyond technology. Mm-hmm. So I was on a jog one day and I need to start picking that back up, but <laughs> I think better. And I started thinking like, you know, cause Mr. Austin did uh, rented out a cruise ship. First one in the industry and actually for Royal Caribbean in 1988, never been done before and brought the customers on for education, you know, the camaraderie and, and uh, a lot more. And I started thinking like, we can't keep doing this. I mean, we got a lot of good customer groups and I think, why are we doing it? You think about the, the brands and the, you know, the, 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 the team, right? The teams and the, your, your team color and, you know, who you root for. I'm like, there's gotta be a better way. And I thought first it went back to the cruise. And then philosophically, I went, this industry has more in common than it has differences. doesn't matter if they're across the street or competition. Mm-hmm. It's about helping people. Mm-hmm. So what could Starkey, if there's a company that could redefine um, and put together, like a CES, what CES and yeah. other industries do, because there isn't one. I mean, there's different ones for you know IHS, ADA, AAA, we know that. But for us as a company and being private and what we do for the right reasons, can we bring them all together? Strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. And it's not about, you know, oh, the big celebrity speaker. No, you and I both know when we do the agenda, we pick the people that either understand what we do yep. or they have similar businesses yep. that they've started that our customers can take something away from, including us. So yeah, let's, what if we did something in Las Vegas mm-hmm. and Put everybody in the same room for three days and individualize the, the days for technology to market to purpose. Because mm-hmm. Starkey's all about My purpose. My favorite day. Yeah. Yes, because you've, you've, you've uh, uh, hosted those days and, and kicked us off because you get it. I mean, you've been doing it for X amount of years. And it just kind of evolved from there because I thought it's either going to really go bad or it's going to be successful and quite frankly I, I knew it would be successful because I remember the first time we kicked it off that Wednesday night you go out there and you get out there and there's 3,000 yeah. no there's 3,400 people right. and they're looking at you and you're like first thing is like there's a lot of people here and the second thing is but why are we here right and that's where I well the first thing I said we're here for a reason like we have more in common then we do difference. I remember that because and that was really what set the tone. Because initially, I'm sure there were tribes that formed. Yes. And yeah. when you yes. set the tone with that, that we have more in common than there are differences, it leveled it. And then everyone sort of just, it was almost like a, a, an aha moment for 3,400 people. Because how we make it, we made it about them. We made it about the patient. Right. It wasn't about Starkey. Right. And I've always held to that. Yeah. It sounds rid- ridiculous because it's, it's pretty expensive. And yeah. the people that come there and you want to, you know, Got to show the ROI. Uh, that's the that's the aftermath because I wanted people to leave there, and we talked about it. Motivated, mm-hmm. you know that extra little pep in their step mm-hmm. when they get back to the office. Pull out that file, and you can think of that one person you can help a little bit more, maybe with newer technology or the way that they're treating or 
managing and developing their employees from how we, you know, have uh, uh, outside experts come in on, uh, uh, you know, whether it's hiring and developing your, your teams or to how your office should look. Mm-hmm. You know, just the, the basics. It's just that motivation. Absolutely. One of my favorite ones was in, in those early days, sort of envisioning how they might practice in the future. And right. sort of having hands-on and interaction, and I think that was what was really fun too, and continues to be that. In the, uh, you're right. We've had we've had presidents, we've had global business leaders and thought leaders uh, on the main stage, and some phenomenal ones that have just blown my mind. But we've right. had as many that have been on some of the smaller stages. It's like going to a big festival, right. uh, an academic festival, a learning festival, and having people. Um, that you relate to uh, because they're just like you. And then you have people that have had parallel industries bringing in their experience. And then there have been, you know, how many presidents uh, have, have been here? Yeah. So no, it's, do it's, you have any favorite moments? I mean, it's awfully hard to oh pick. It's like picking your favorite oh, kid. You well, know? sure. I mean, yeah. I could. I won't take the time on all the detail of the, the moments. But speaker-wise, if I, I look back, uh, Magic Johnson. Yeah. He, he jumped off the stage and jumped down he into the audience. It. Yeah, and he and he talked about purpose and business and why. And because I had heard him talk before, yeah. And philosophically, I knew where he was coming from. But when he got in that room, you know, he was well, no pun intended. He was magical. Yeah. <laughs> when he, he just, jumped off the stage yeah. and went down and just started asking people questions, mm-hmm. just yeah. spontaneously, he cared. He, he cared. Yes. And, and, uh, and that was phenomenal. You know, I mean, you could go into the, you know, it, it's the moments too behind the scenes, like with President Bush, he and I talking and with uh, Tony Blair at the time. And, uh, you know, Colin Re- Paul, uh, Colin unfortunately, Powell Colin Paul, I, uh, unfortunately, he died one. like a, a year or two later. The and, butterfly effect. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the author is escaping me for, for a second, but nobody would have thought that, you know, that's going to be the guy. And I told people quite watch for watch for him because this is going to be the guy that's going to inspire and uh give you that message that you matter yeah. every little detail yeah. matters yeah um tim shriver was great tim, at the last tim one. shriver blew it out uh randy zuckerberg yeah um dave fabry oh yeah yeah uh so I mean, you want to give any on. you want to give any um any uh hints for who's coming in 2023 <laughs> nope <laughs> nope <laughs> no but i can tell you that it will be forward-looking yeah. It's going to be, we respect the past and what we can do as a company in our industry, but we have to be forward thinking what, about the digital patient uh-huh. that's here, doing the best we can for the, the boomers and what's in front of us. But also it's not fearing what you don't know and fearing OTC and all that. Yeah. What are you going to do in your community? Hear, hear, uh, better hearing and hearing healthcare is community based yeah. and it's giving our customers ideas and and the courage at the time because people are thinking oh it's Jane I got to get out or whatever it might be no you matter stick out a little bit longer yeah I think it's that that being in the collective in that room 3,400 other people that gives you courage that that enables you to get over whatever fear you have whether that fear and the fears have always been there bills like well cheap hearing aids have always been available yes. um you can't commoditize caring um no matter what the fear is whether it's you know otc or third party or or uh, big box stores or whatever the We've fear of tomorrow will be 
Um, I think the collective, when you realize you're all united in a purpose to focus on the patient, um, is what prevents that fear from overtaking people in that group. And what's great and, with the people we talk about, you, you interviewed President Bush before oh, too, and yeah, others, and, yeah. and I haven't, and with Richard Branson, we had Matthew McConaughey yeah. the last time. And it becomes a conversation. Yeah. I mean, I've had my papers and questions, and I just like, we just start talking because they relate and understand what we do. Totally get it. Uh, McConaughey, when he had his kids out there hopping around on the, was, on the, on the sofa <laughs> on that, it was it, that, that wasn't planned. I remember them looking out and, you know, he talked about it and just have them come up because it's genuine. Yep. We don't need to uh, produce or, you know, manufacture a moment. It just needs to happen. Well, I look forward to 2023. And as usual, we've uh, run out of time before we ran out well, of things to say. Going, we could yeah. go for a long time here. but Well, thanks um, for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Is there anything that uh, you'd like to share that listeners may not know about you? Right? Any pearls pearls of wisdom, tidbits that you want to offer before we close? I think close? between social media and a lot, people know a lot about me more than I would want. <laughs> and they think they know me, but they don't. Yeah. But uh, for me, it's uh, you know my leadership style of why I'm here, because you, you asked the question. You asked questions I haven't been asked before, because um, I always get that, you know, uh, what, what do you want your legacy to be? Or, you know, the, those type of questions. You're too young for a legacy. Yeah. yeah. I just, that. I just want to be part of a team. Yeah. I want Starkey and the people of Starkey to be successful and we help more people. It's not about the market share or the big profit play because I know we can do that money and what we uh, invest in helps us for our uh, tomorrow. Because as Mr. Austin said many times, you know, tomorrow's not a promise. It's an opportunity. Yeah. And boy, did we learn that the last two years. You know, mm -hmm. we had to do a lot of things that we didn't want to do, but, you know, you prioritize. Um, servant leadership. And I think everybody, you know, titles um, can be earned, but what are you going to do with it? Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, there's nothing, there's no silver bullet in at Starkey, uh, in our customers' offices, or anything we do that's going to just make you instantly successful except hard work. Yep. I think uh, one of my heroes, Vince Lombardi, said the only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think that holds true. You're, you are one of the people, uh, I, I can't think of another person who's better at coming up with sports metaphors as they apply into business. So what I, what I want to close with is uh, what's your favorite sports metaphor that you've used or thought of? Um, as it applies to a lesson uh, that you've learned or that you're trying to strive for. I'm stretching a little bit to give you a second to think about it. No, no. What's your I, favorite I, what, one? Two things popped to mind, and I don't know if it's the exact story, or is everybody needs to play their role, mm -hmm. whether you're wide receiver, offensive line, or quarterback, right? you got to play your role. Don't get distracted. I'm the long snapper. No. Work as a <laughs> Here's, I'd say punter or kicker. Okay. But you've got, you have to understand your role. Don't get distracted or bored. Do the very best you can, and then other things will follow. So play your role, and you win as a team. Yeah. Championships are won through teams, not individuals. And at Starkey, as I say, we're not looking for the MVP. It's not about one person. You have to win as a team. And I, in Magic Johnson's words, always have stuck to me from the first time I heard him, probably in 2014, 15. Winners win. Mm -hmm. And if you have a winning mindset and you have the right team with the right uh, attitudes, 
you're limitless. And so that's why, you know, when you ask me what's our my biggest concern, and I always get asked that, you know, what keeps me up at night? Yeah. It's ourselves. Yeah. You know, we have to execute and do what we say we're going to do. Well said. And on that, I think we'll just end. I appreciate greatly you're taking the time to sit down. I know you've got a lot on your plate. Well, so do you. I, I always enjoy working with you. Pleasure. You know so, All right. And thank you. thank you. And to our listeners, uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Starkey Soundbites. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and review us on your preferred product platform. You can also hit follow or subscribe to be sure that you don't miss a single episode. We'll see you and hear you next time.